This is episode 209 with Olympic steeplechaser, the third fastest woman steeplechaser in the U.S. ever, and the 2019 indoor U.S. mile champion, Ms. Colleen Quigley. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and the episode you're about to listen to is a vulnerable conversation with steeplechaser Colleen Quigley about her current injury. Colleen missed the U.S. Olympic trials and had to shelve her Tokyo dreams after getting injured last spring. She's since traveled the country trying to solve her injury problem, and she joins us today to talk about what's working, how she's recovering, and what she's doing to help her psychologically during this tough time. If you're new to the podcast, you can expect conversations just like this between me and other thought leaders in the running industry. My goal is to help you elevate your thinking about the sport, help you make wiser decisions about your training so that you can keep improving. Because if you better understand the process of improvement, when you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage, you'll be a much better runner. You might also love Strength Running's YouTube channel with more than 300 videos on how to run longer, strength workouts, how to structure your training and run with better form, and a lot more. I'd love for you to be our 50,000th subscriber, so go to youtube.com strengthrunning, subscribe, and you'll see every video that we publish. And our home base is strengthrunning.com. Since 2010, we've been helping runners around the world level up their training, race faster, prevent more injuries, and get stronger. You'll find our award-winning blog, our free email courses on topics from strength to injury prevention, and the full library of training programs and coaching services to help you accomplish your biggest running goals. This episode is sponsored by Inside Tracker. They help you analyze your body's data to give you a clear picture of what's going on inside you. And then they offer science-backed recommendations to improve. And for a limited time, you can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store at insidetracker.com/strengthrunning. Our guest today is none other than Colleen Quigley, one of the most dominant steeplechasers in American history. She's represented the U.S. at the World Championships and Olympics. She won the 2019 Indoor Mile National Championships, and she's hungrier than ever to get back to training and top form. In this episode, we're discussing her months-long foot injury and what she's doing to properly diagnose it, treat it, and get back to top form. Colleen is tough as nails. She's honest, vulnerable, and so positive about her comeback. I know that will rub off on you too. Without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Ms. Colleen Quigley. I think we chatted about an injury prevention episode that I did a while back. It's not ironic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, you're smiling. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. I do want to talk mostly about your injury and how you're thinking about it and some of that thought process that's going into your recovery. I think it's important for us regular runners to know that injuries happen to, to, to everyone out there, even some of the best among us. And so I think it'll be really inspiring for, you know, all the recreational runners out there who are struggling with something similar. You know, I think one of the most interesting things um, to me that I've found 
I've learned this lesson multiple times. Um, but when I get injured, my initial response is to like be a turtle and go into my shell where I feel safe and I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to, you know, share it. Um, but then eventually I end up popping my little head out and being honest about what's going on and sharing, you know, sharing that part of the journey. That's not so much fun. And every time I think it's going to be so hard and so scary, but then when I do, I get so many responses from people not only like being supportive of what I'm going through and like letting me know that they're cheering me on, but also sharing their experiences or feeling like that I was able to talk about what I'm going through and that they could relate to it. And it made them feel like someone saw them or someone, you know, was going through the same thing, which ended up making them feel really good. Um, So as much as I'd love to just be like, everything's great. I'm great all the time. Like I, I wish I could be that way. (laughs) The reality is no one is that way. Um, And so just like sharing both sides of it uh, actually has been super helpful for me and I think helpful for followers too. Yeah, absolutely. And what is it about running injuries that makes a lot of runners feel, I don't know if ashamed is the right word, but there's a certain protective feeling that you can't let other people know about an injury that you have. It's sort of like, Mm. you know, you have an absolutely terrible race. You kind of just want to sweep it under the rug and hope no one noticed. Why is it that you think runners are sometimes hesitant to talk about things that are not going well in their running? Yeah, it feels like you're, if you get injured, like it was your fault, you did something wrong, you know, like this wasn't supposed to happen. And so you feel like I wasn't doing the strength exercises I needed to, or I was doing too much mileage, or I was wearing the wrong shoes. It always feels like it was your fault. It was something that you did wrong. You know, it could be so many different things. Um, and I don't really know why that is, but I feel that way too. I feel that when I get injured, I feel like guilt that I did something wrong, um, which is just too bad because obviously sometimes we make mistakes and that's just like part of the game too. But also there's things that are out of our control that, you know, we, (laughs) we have, we didn't, it was no fault of ours, you know, that something popped up or, or whatnot. So, um, yeah, but I relate to that a lot, feeling like ashamed or embarrassed when it happens because you feel like it was your fault. Right. And progress is never linear. You're never going to accomplish all of your goals with right. no obstacles in the way. You're going to feel great every day. You know, that that's just not the way that running works. Yeah. Um, but Colleen, I'd love to hear more. Like, what is your status with the injury? Are you able to run right now? It seems like you're able to run a little bit. Are you able to yeah. do some training right now? Yeah, I had to take basically six weeks off after um finally admitting that I wasn't going to be able to run at the trials and kind of giving up on the hope of pulling it together in time for that. Um, Pulled out of the trials and then it was like, well, there's no use in continuing this cycle of being in pain, trying to push through it, getting to a point where I'm like, maybe I can work out, working out, having it blow up again, repeat the process. Uh, We were like, we just have to completely shut it down and let myself reset, completely rest did that for three weeks, tried to start running again. Didn't really go that well. So I went back into the recovery zone for another three weeks. And now I'm able to kind of actually get some running in again, which feels really good. It's slow and steady and painfully like one day on one day off. Okay. Now I can do two days on one day off. 
Um, haven't run more than six miles at a time. Monday was my longest run was six miles. Um, so that, and that's not, I mean, that wouldn't even be my shortest run of the week or that, that wouldn't even, yeah, that wouldn't even match my shortest run of the week in a normal training week. So it's slow and steady progress, but it's progress. And it feels like I just want to be able to do what I love again. And so every time I'm like able to actually put my shoes on and go out into the forest and get some miles in, whether it's, you know, 20 minutes or 40 minutes, like I'm just trying to stay grateful for being able to do that again. And, and um, thinking about how back in like May, June, you know, I would have given anything for that. Yeah, it's pretty amazing how a running injury will really make you appreciate just pain-free running, as simple as that. And every time you go out there and you have an enjoyable run, you think back to when you used to be injured and you start thinking to yourself, wow, this is actually really amazing. I'm having so much fun. It's almost a celebration of what your body can do. And, and I think there's something special with that. Yeah. And it's such a simple thing when you think about it, like just running like why is this so hard it seems like such a simple thing but i think there's like some beauty in that simplicity too that it's just yeah just going out for a run colleen i think that could be a book right there the <laughs> the surprising difficulty of such a simple activity yeah <laughs> i do want to talk a little bit more about that recovery zone that you mentioned. And, you know, I follow you on Instagram. You posted some crazy pictures of you undergoing some serious testing to <laughs> help figure out what's going on with your injury. Can you talk a little bit about what kind of tests that uh, you've had done and, you know, all the, the different avenues for treatment that you're exploring? Yeah. So basically I started out in like March with some plantar fasciitis. And I was like, oh, I've had this before. I know this old beast. Like I kind of know what to do. Started seeing my PT here in Portland to get some manual therapy on it. Like took a little bit of time off, cross-trained, you know, I'm like, this won't take that long for it to calm down. But then it just would not go away. So we ended up doing a PRP injection in the planter and taking two weeks off. That didn't help. So I did a cortisone injection because at this point it's like end of March and I'm like, I just got to get running again. Like trials are coming. So the cortisone, that didn't really help either. Um, and then like plantar fasciitis turned into like a nerve problem in the bottom of my foot and in the calf. Um, and so nerve issues tend to be a tricky beast, um, and not nearly as straightforward as like, I found myself, you know, longing for the days of like a simple stress reaction where it was just like, this is what it is. And this is the protocol. And, you know, you just kind of like follow the steps and your bone heals and then you can get back to running. But nerve stuff is way more complicated than that. So, and it would just keep popping up in different places. Like sometimes popped up in my glute for a few days and then that calmed down and then it hurt in my foot the whole time. And then kind of a week before the trials, what finally took me out was it came up in my calf. And like, like the only thing I can explain is that my calf felt like it was going to explode for like three days. Um, it was like extreme pressure in the calf. And that wasn't ended up what kind of took me out. But so afterwards, um, yeah, just like tried to, okay, unravel. Now that we have some time, let's like unravel what all is going on and see if we can find like a real solution. So the USOPC, the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, set me up with um, a team of doctors in um, 
Houston, Texas at the Texas Children's Hospital. Um, I don't know why it's a children's hospital they work out of, but, you know, they see professional athletes too. Um, and we did a bunch of testing, nerve testing, and um, got three different MRIs done. Uh, I even got blood work done, talked to a dietitian, um, talked to a couple PTs, and then the like head doctor there. Um, and I think the most frustrating part is that it's just not you know, plain and simple. And so the tests don't show clearly like, oh, this is your problem. It's kind of like, eh, like you're having a lot of pain and what shows up is like not that big of a deal. Like something that a lot of runners probably have, but like you're having a lot of pain. So it just doesn't, it's not one of those things that's like one and one is two. It just, they don't add up and it doesn't make sense, which I think is the most mentally, the most frustrating part to feel like, but I swear I'm not a wussy and I have a high pain tolerance and it really hurts. Like this is not a situation where I'm like, Oh, I don't know. Like my toe hurts. Like, no, like I, I couldn't run. I'm like limping and I'm friggin' tough as nails. Like I'm telling you, it's not, you know, it's not a little thing. I, w- I really wanted to run at the Olympic trials, <laughs> you know, but it, it doesn't show up that way. So it's just hard to feel like, you know, this is what we do when we still don't really know why it all kind of unraveled. But I'm working with a new PT here in Portland now, um, and she's got me on some good strength um, program for a few different areas that I feel like are just weaknesses that yeah, I like maintain, but you know, we could be better about them. Um, and just trying to find any little chinks in the armor and fill those in. And who knows, maybe it was just the, you know, the accumulation of all these little chinks that ended up, you know, after years of training and honestly years of overtraining, probably all those little chinks just, you know, ended up taking me out. So, but I think the overtraining piece is a big part of this too, feeling like, I've been working too hard and pushing through things for so long and dealing with small injuries that turn into bigger injuries for so long that I probably did need that really hard reset to just be like, okay, I can't do that anymore. I have to, that only works for so long. And you do see it working sometimes where you can like push through things, but they just accumulate and, you know, you don't just get rid of them. They're still there. They're lurking in the background. Um, if you don't really take care of it. So I honestly think that's probably what I ended up dealing with. And the only reason or only way to solve that was just to take a bunch of time off and let the body reset and then do like a complete rebuild again. What a tough nut to crack. It just sounds like nerve problems. My summer has been beyond frustrating. (laughs) I can't imagine. It just sounds like a nerve issue is, is so confusing because, you know, we're used to repetitive stress injuries. We're runners, right? So, you know, you go to the physical therapist, there might be some manual therapy, some prescriptive strength exercises, you know, bones and strained muscles or torn, like these are things that you're like, Oh, it's a bummer. But like, this is the prognosis and this is you know, what you're going to do. And yeah, nerves are just not like that. Nerves are so different. How are you guys thinking about your recovery now that you think this is fundamentally a nerve problem is, you know, I understand strength training is probably only going to help, you know, with refining some of your, your motor patterns and things like that. But I mean, how do you even tackle a problem like having a nerve injury? Yeah, it's super tough. I think, 
the, you know, the tough part was by the time I got to Texas and like did all the nerve testing, it was like a month and a half after like the whole thing imploded and the nerve conduction tests like EMG, I think it's called and all these tests I did didn't show any problems with my nerves. So that was frustrating too, to be like, well, I was having this really intense thing in my calf, you know, but it's not like currently going on. So um, it will be interesting to see as I ramp up training, if it kind of starts to happen again, maybe we'll go back and like redo the testing to see if something um, shows up when it's, you know, rearing its ugly head again. But for now, we're just focusing on the strength stuff, focusing on just being super vigilant with form and doing everything really intentionally and like no sloppiness with with both running, but also with like strength stuff. Um, and then just, yeah, keeping a close eye on it to make sure we don't let it slip. I think one thing for people to watch out for is, um, if you're dealing with any kind of pain to rate it from one to five every day, um, from, you know, one zero being no pain, one is like barely there. You can kind of, I notice it five being, I had to take a day off. I could not run. Yeah. I could not exercise. Um, and then noticing if you have to really do it every day, but then noticing if one day you're at a two and then you're at a two again the next day, and then the next day you're at a three and then you stay at a three for a couple of days and then, then you're at a four and you're like, when did this, how did this happen? When did this start? But if you're kind of paying attention to it closer, you can't let yourself get even to a three before really addressing something and, and, you know, um, making a move to make it go backwards on your pain scale. So just really taking the time to check in with yourself every day, um, I think could be a really good tip for people. It's funny. I think 80% of the last 10, 20 podcasts that I've recorded, we have sort of harped on how important it is to keep a training log. And this is such a great example of, all the many things you could track in a training log. And I'm yeah. so old school. I love the the notebook, the actual pen and paper where yeah. you can actually see it every day. But that's a really good lesson for folks is that your training log is yours and you can include mm-hmm. pain scales. You can include almost anything you'd like about how you're yeah. feeling in that log and use it mm-hmm. in the future to your own benefit. Yeah. I do like the pen and paper too, but I've graduated. My new coach, Josh Seitz, has me doing a Google Sheet training log that he has access to as well. So I update it every day and I write, you know, the mileage, the time, the shoe I wore, um, and I make notes about how I feel, what kind of workout or run it was. And then I have um, a square for fatigue level one through five, and then pain level one through five. And if, depending on what number I punch in, it turns a color. So if I punch in a three for uh, fatigue, it'll go red or like a shade of red. If I punch in a five, you know, for fatigue or pain, it goes like dark red. If I do a one or a two, you know, it shows green and has, you know, it goes green through orange through red. Um, so then I can more easily to look back on the last few days or last couple weeks or months or whatever, and see just really quickly with colors um, which I think are a great visual cue. Like I've had a ton of green days or I've had a lot of yellow and red days. Like what's going on here? Um, and that's just like an easy way to see trends in your training. Cause you know, one, one off day, one tired day or one painful day is not so much, you know, to be, to really freak out about. But if you're seeing a trend of that happening a lot, that's when you, you know, red flag. Yeah, that's a great point. And I love how 
something as simple as color coding can be so helpful yeah. for you, especially long term. You can look back over weeks and weeks and, and maybe even zoom out further than that and really see what's going on with a very subjective measure, just how you're feeling. And I think so many things in running are objective. There's the number of miles you ran, the pace, your splits, all these things. You can put a firm number on it, but something as subjective as how you're feeling is one of those things we don't really track. And I think there's real value in that, especially yeah. because you're doing it manually. This isn't like, you know, an automatic upload yeah. to Strava and you like barely look at it in one of those sort of situations. So I think yeah. this is super helpful for folks. Totally. And actually one thing I, I will say, it's kind of a plug, but it's a genuine thing that I use. Um, I don't know if you're going to use this video at all, but I wear this strap on my wrist called a whoop strap, W-H-O-O-P, like whoop. <laughs> and it does, um, the, kind of the point of it for me is to give me actual hard data to put into numbers how I'm feeling. So I wake up in the morning and it'll tell me how I slept the night before. It'll tell me what my resting heart rate is, what my heart rate variability is, which is known to be a really big factor in um, overtraining, fatigue, and fitness, like an indicator of all of those. Um, and so that also can be a great tool for people who might have a hard time listening to what their body is saying. Like everyone says, I listen to your body. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Easier said than done. Like runners are taught to push through pain, push through discomfort. Don't, you know, don't be soft. Don't be weak. Like you can do it. Um, but maybe there's things that you shouldn't push through or indicators, um, day after day, especially when we're talking about these trends, like if you wake up and you're recovery score and whoop is in the yellow or red for three days in a row, that should be a trigger for you to take a rest day. Um, instead of waking up and be like, I think I'm tired, but like, I've been tired all week. So like, am I more tired than I was yesterday? I don't know. You know, <laughs> but your body can actually tell you like how tired you are, but you just need help quantifying that. Um, and so that's been a good tool for me this year too, to kind of put into numbers how I'm actually feeling. And I think I second guess myself less with that. Um, and kind of, it takes away some of the responsibility almost on me to report how I'm feeling when my body can report for me. So that's another tool that I use that I really like. Yeah. And that's interesting too, because sort of after a couple of days, you sort of forget how you felt totally. three days ago. Like, do you remember how you felt last Wednesday? Totally. Probably not, you know? No. <laughs> and so this is a really nice way of quantifying that data. And, you know, it'd be great if they had some sort of premium subscription where if you get three red days in a row, like someone comes to your house and takes your running <laughs> shoes. <laughs> that would be amazing. I think that's what coaches are for. My coach has access to my whoop, so he'd be beating down my door, taking the shoes out of my hand. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Now, Colleen, I know the last couple months has been really hard for you. You've been talking about how it's just been terrible not being able to, to do what you love, which is run. But how have you been sort of staying sane through this time? Have you been yeah. working on your mental game? What have you been doing psychologically to deal with the fact that physically you're not training at the same level that you'd like to be? Yeah, I mean, so many things that go into that question. I think the biggest thing is having people around you who care about you as a person, you know, like they love and celebrate your running and they want you to achieve all your goals because you have want to achieve those goals, but they're really there for you, you know, 
as a person and they want you to be happy outside of that. Um, and I found that anyone in my life who I feel like isn't or wasn't doing that, um, is I've noticed is no longer part of my life, which is really important for people to kind of be aware of that. Like who's in my life just because I'm doing well or, you know, wants to be with me on the highs, but isn't really around when things aren't going so well. Um, and that's super important. And then honestly, this summer I got really lucky with timing because my boyfriend and I um, made an offer on a house in Flagstaff, Arizona, where I'll be doing my altitude training going forward. And within two weeks, we had closed on the house and we're moving in. And right at the 14-day mark when we went out there, um, track started at the Olympics in Tokyo. So I was like getting furniture in a U-Haul, driving to Flagstaff, unpacking, cleaning, painting, organizing, decorating. I was like, Olympics what? Olympics who? (laughs) And that was a great way for me to cope. I was still tuning in and I wanted to see a lot of my friends. But um, I think also feeling like I'm making progress on something, getting a house at altitude where I could call a home and do my altitude training has been a big goal of mine for a long time. Um, Because I do spend so much time out there and I always have to do Airbnbs and it's just, it's stressful to be away from home for that long. And so I wanted to get a place where I feel like I could set up a home. And when I was there, I could be more comfortable and more relaxed when I'm doing this really hard training at 7,000 feet. Um, And so to get that like kind of goal checked and to really settle into the house. And I love, I just love the house so much and it feels really peaceful out there. It has like really good energy. And so being there that week, um, moving into the house with Kevin was just like, okay, you know, yes, I want to be in Tokyo right now, but I'm still making moves for the benefit of myself and my training and health for years to come. Like I will be training at this house for years to come. Um, and so that felt really good too. And I think that would have been a lot harder of a week if I was home in Portland, not running, just like feeling sorry for myself, you know, all week. So I feel like I got really lucky with the timing with that. <laughs> yeah, painting can be quite therapeutic too. So, so if you have any painting to do, that will definitely help. Highly recommend getting a good roller and just going at it. <laughs> yeah, it's very repetitive. It's sort of just like clicking off laps on the track. You just keep going. <laughs> it's like mowing the grass. You know, you just feel like, oh, wow, this is really rewarding. <laughs> you know, I. I'm a weird person who actually enjoys mowing the grass and, and maybe that's why it's sort of like, I like vacuuming. I like mowing the lawn. It's very yes. repetitive. Oh my gosh. You're just like me, Jason. It's tasks. You're a task oriented person. You like to do, you know, you feel like I've, I've made progress. I've done it and I, it looks good afterwards. You get that visual cue of yes, like it that's looks huge. clean or it looks tight. And then you're like, boom, I'm, and you can be look back and it's like something that you're proud of. Oh, it's very type A. My boyfriend is not like that. He makes fun of me for being so like, yeah, that that's what makes me happy. But it's good to know about yourself. Right. And, you know, I don't don't get a lawn service because I just like doing it myself. And yeah, I get that satisfaction from having the the visual reminder that I just got something done. And I really like (laughs) that. Well, I'm sure in January when I'm uh, back up in Flagstaff, there'll be plenty of snow to shovel. And that's another task that feels really good. So 
Yeah, they're all very similar. It's like cleaning the ground up in some way. (laughs) For some reason, that's just very enjoyable for me. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. It's like vacuuming, like laundry. Um, Yeah, mowing the lawn, snow, uh, shoveling snow. Yeah. Well, Colleen, now that we've lost every listener that we might have had, uh, <laughs> well, I want to. I, wanna, I, wanna I think more people can relate to that than than we you probably think. Yeah, maybe maybe there's a huge groundswell of people who are pro vacuuming mm-hmm. and mowing their grass. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I just want to acknowledge you. You're you're awesome, Colleen. You're such an inspiration to the running community. I so appreciate your uh, vulnerability today and just talking about your injury and and all the the crap that you've gone through over the last couple months. It's certainly been hard, uh, but you have, sounds like you have an amazing new house and uh, I'm sure that your adventures moving forward, especially in Flagstaff are just going to be amazing. So if we want to maybe follow along and see what's going on with your recovery, is there a place where we can connect with you and see what you're up to? Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on and asking the questions and, you know, being involved with the process. Uh, That means a lot. You can follow me or folks can follow me on Instagram. I have a website, callingquigley.org. And then this week I'm promoting my newsletter through Instagram and my website. I have a newsletter with over 13,000 subscribers now, um, which is pretty fun. And those are my, I always think of those people as like my diehards. Um, But I send out all kinds of updates. It's once a month usually. Uh, all kinds of updates about my training and my life or like recipes I'm loving, new workouts, new rehab exercises. Um, this month I have some tips for collegiate athletes about the NIL updates, um, tips for how to use, you know, utilize their name, image, and likeness. And then actually I have a whole segment about whoop and why, what I use whoop for and everything, um, with a discount code. And, um, what else? Oh, I, I've also put in what I'm reading, listening to and watching this summer or what I have been all summer. So stuff like that. And people can subscribe to the newsletter for free on my website. I love it. I'm going to include links to all that in the show notes on strength running. And until then, Colleen, best of luck with your recovery. Thanks, Jason. Talk to you soon. And there it is, friends. That's our episode with the one and only Colleen Quigley. We have links to all of the resources mentioned on the show on strength running, but if you have any feedback for me, don't hesitate to reach out anytime. I'm at support at strengthrunning.com. I also want to thank our sponsor, Inside Tracker, for helping me publish these episodes. Inside Tracker wants to help you do what you love for life. They want you to be a successful, healthy runner for decades. They were founded in 2009 by aging, genetics, and biometric scientists to help you analyze your body's data and get a firm idea of how well you're responding to training. Understanding your body's biomarkers, from stress hormones to testosterone to vitamin D, can help you figure out if you're overtraining or optimally training. But the best part is that they give you personalized, optimal ranges for each of these biomarkers and a whole host of ways to improve these markers through both diet, lifestyle, or exercise changes. I've personally gotten two ultimate tests from them, and I'm about to set up my third. And for a limited time, you can get 25% off any test at insidetracker.com strengthrunning. This is a big deal because these tests are admittedly not cheap. Stack the odds in your favor and give yourself every advantage with a personalized blood test. 
Go to insidetracker.com slash strengthrunning to save 25% today. All right, thank you, runners. We'll be in touch soon.